0: Hey, it's Bobby, and you're listening to a photography episode of Bomb Talk. Now, this one's pretty close to my heart because my journey in NFTs began as a frustrated photographer. I felt like the Web 2 system, you know, that means social media, big tech, really eviscerated photography as a valueless medium. Well, NFTs and Web 3, in my opinion, they're reopening pathways for photographers to find their patrons maintain ownership, and see royalties from their art. Now, although photography has been thriving in the NFT space this year, in the next year, 2022, we'll see it take off to a whole other level. I'm going to be sharing a roundtable now with some of the leaders in the movement. There's too many to list. So if you're a photographer you're just curious about how NFTs are shaking up art and industry, listen in. Hello, hello. Hello. (laughs) Wow, look at, look at everyone in the room. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah, say hi. Wave. These emojis are so fun. And I love that there's only, really, there's only five of them that you can use, which is very limiting. But it also makes it so, uh, it turns into kind of like a fun little game. Uh, and there's no negative emoji or anything sour. Uh, everything is very serious like that one. That's one of my favorite ones. You can punch that little guy. And then uh, and then I do this one a lot, that one, for when I really agree with something somebody's saying. Uh, welcome, everyone. I'm Bobby Hundreds from the <laughs> Hundreds and also Adam Bomb Squad. And you are listening to another weekly episode of Bomb Talk. Um, it's a show I do every Monday right here on my Twitter spaces. And um, we started this actually after we launched our project and a big piece of what we do with Adam Bomb Squad, which is our own 25,000 NFT collectibles, which has been just getting a lot of amazing love lately. Um, Reese Witherspoon bombed in yesterday. She is getting behind the Madam Bombs, which are the uh, female versions of the, of the bombs. And um, had a few more people join yesterday as well. Uh, and and some more notable women to come actually uh, in the space that are getting behind Adam Bombs and Madam Bombs. But um, one of the things we're really trying to do with this project is onboard as much of our community as possible. Not just to NFTs, but just to crypto, uh, to the idea of Web3. You know, we have a lot of friends who are... Um, kind of uh, averse or allergic to the idea of, of NFTs. I, I don't think they thoroughly understand a lot of it, if so, but um, but I think they're receptive to Web3 and decentralization. And so even just getting that conversation off the ground and um, the literature is scarce out there, just straight up on the subject, right? Uh, we all know that. And, um, and so it, we all have a duty and responsibility. If we want to see this space grow, we want to not just build the marketplace, but we want to build the community. We want to build these relationships with everyone in the space. We need to make it friendly and warm. We need to make it transparent. We need to help and, and and try to make it so everyone can benefit, not just the flippers and the traders, not just the artists and the creators, but everyone. Um, you know, this is the point of web three and decentralization is that everyone wins. We're all going to make it, right? So if you see this acronym of WAGMI, WAGME, we're all going to make it. And um, I love that motto and that ethos, but if we're all gonna make it, we all need to uh, make it together. Meaning we all need to build it. We are like literally make it together. Um, And so this is part of what we do with Adam Bomb Squad. It's a lot of education, it's a lot of onboarding, but it's really just a lot of open dialogue and conversation. And a year ago when I discovered NFTs, what really captured my interest was myself coming from the point of view of a photographer. I'm an artist, an illustrator, writer, many things, multi-hyphenate in a multi-hyphenate generation. We are all, all of these things now. But one thing that one hobby, one facet of my artistic path has been photography since I was 12 years old. And I kind of lost my way over the last year, couple of years. And I wrote about this in my blog a year ago where I said, I don't know what to do with my photos anymore um i don't know if they belong in a gallery or if they go into a book um and there just aren't uh, many avenues for me to see a career necessarily just based off my photography what does that look like in a web2 world that has convinced me and brainwashed my audience that photos should just be free and democratize content they should just Go up, you know, wherever you post your social media, and they don't necessarily have any value to them. But I knew that there was value attached to them because my photography meant as much to me as the clothing designs that we were putting out as a brand that we're selling, my artwork, my paintings that would go on the wall. It meant just as much, if not more. So, how come there's, I'm not seeing the value from that? And NFTs were the first time in so many years (laughs) since I was a kid and, and shooting film on film cameras that I realized, hey, wait, uh, there actually is a path and 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 we were told lies all along. And um, and here's a way to do it. Here's a means to do it, right? And so we just posted that at the top here. That's my blog entry from a year ago. I, I tweeted and Instagrammed it just about 30 minutes ago. And so today uh, I wanted to get together some of my leading NFT photographer friends um, NFT photography is just photography, let's be straight up. But it's photography in an NFT space that is really capitalizing on NFTs and the technology to really make their work seen, visible, and also to succeed and flourish out there in the world, uh, circumventing the, gate- the gatekeepers and, and circumnavigating all of the established ideas. Of what, what two have told us is a successful photograph, right? And, and, the, and the conversation around NFTs and photography has been so fervent lately uh for a number of reasons that i don't want to get into today i don't even know this is why i'm asking the questions i wanted to start off by inviting justin up to the stage justin Aversano, who many in the nft space already know uh is uh, behind a project called twin flames and um justin you're there we've we've been speaking a lot recently i'm so grateful for your time if you don't mind just sharing just a little bit about the twin flames project, because a lot of people in this room aren't native to the NFT space and they might be brand new and this might be shockingly the very first time they've heard of your name. Uh, but you're an absolute legend when it comes to NFTs and photography. Can you tell us just a little bit about what twin flames did and what it is and what your career has looked like immersed in photography this year and then in, 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 in NFTs?
1: Sure. Thanks for having me on here. I'm happy to share the time and talk talk photography with you guys, of course. Um, so this year, uh, Twin Flames was minted in February of 2021, but I've been working on it since uh, 2017 in May. Uh, this project is a, is a portrait series of 100 twins from around the world. And just going and photographing twins with 4x5 um, uh, film camera and medium format cameras because I shoot film. Um, and I also printed the work in a darkroom. So it, it's fun and ironic that the work that's made with, with these materials exists on the blockchain and is, is, is as an NFT. Um, yeah.
0: Justin, before NFTs and before the blockchain, uh, how are you getting your work seen and appreciated? And how are you making a career off of your photography?
1: Well, before NFTs, uh, I was exhibiting in galleries in Bushwick, in Lower East Side, New York, sometimes Chelsea, um, and just really just having shows and and exhibiting and making prints, uh, one-on-one prints um, for display at the galleries and you know i would sell my prints for a thousand dollars per show for 16 by 20 um and you know that that was a great experience you know having exhibitions and then nfts really changed changed my whole uh career uh in terms of just more access to more people who can appreciate the work you know on twitter and through crypto uh, I think the work has reached a whole new audience outside of the art world, which is great because it's it's people who connect with the work.
0: Yes, a hundred percent. I think that's something that people might often forget if they're caught up in like the frothy numbers of it all. Is just how much exposure there is as far as audience base goes, because there's so many eyeballs on this dialogue around nfts this conversation this word nfts right now and in the crypto space and the the eyeballs that are concentrating in this world are very intense and no one is in this uh, halfway i guess and so if they're getting into nfts and photography they're really considering to buy they're really considering to be kind of to be opened up to your art and photography. What about NFTs when you first came upon it? I, I read something about how you were essentially looking at CryptoPunks and, and talking to someone, if, if you can buy a punk for X amount of dollars, why couldn't you spend that same amount of money on my photos? Um, because there's, there's equal amount of value, if not more, in these, you know, what was it about the technology that really struck you at first?
1: Um, at first, yeah, I think you're referring to a conversation I had with G-Money Um, on a podcast recently so prior to you know my experience with minting nfts uh, i was being educated by people like g money and alex mesmesh um, who does showtime really the technology from a builder and collector's perspective so being an artist and also being a lot of clubhouse artist rooms talking about nfts all year in the beginning of the year it was obviously an interest to explore this um and seeing all the digital art earlier this year and and not much photography it, it, it made me realize like wait this is a foundation of a of a whole ecosystem as well as a place that you can mint photography so why not it doesn't have to be digital art it doesn't have to be moving it's it's your art and it's whatever you stand by that you create and that's what you can mint and i saw the potential of of, of the art you make, whether it's writing, sculpture, painting, photography, I think you can mint it and then, then it is as viable as digital art. So I minted my photography on OpenSea um, and listed them everything at 0.55 ETH. And after a couple days and speaking to G Money and, and, and a few friends in the community, you know, the project sold out, which was a great feeling. Um, because prior to NFTs, all I had was the gallery exhibition. And since 2019, I was really trying to find a home for the collection as
0: a physical entity.
1: So NFTs really revolutionized the way the work can
0: live in the world. In the sense that they can a collector can come along and uh, accumulate the entire set for themselves or uh, just in terms of how the work is broken up?
1: Um, so... When I think about the physical project that was made in 2018 in prints, the 101 Darkroom prints, I look at that part of the project as the physical, material, institutional, centralized version of Twin Flames. And the 100 NFTs is the mirror, the twin within itself to the digital, um, up from the from the physical place. And these pieces are the NFTs, are the decentralized... Um, for the collectors, for the people. So it's ironic that the only success that this project could have was thematically when you see it in, in, in conjunction with the physical and digital twin. And I think it completes the project in a way where making it, I had no idea it would come to this. It's just a happenstance of, of, of opportunity and technology that come together in one place. And, and, and the, the project realizes itself in a way you haven't thought of it before, which is an incredible feeling
0: that's super beautiful i didn't even think about it like that it makes so much sense with like the theme of twins in in the work um i I, I, have you talked to this is something that i often wonder about uh and i guess a lot of people that are new to nfts are like who's actually buying this stuff when you've spoken with your collectors How do they perceive the work and what is it about your photography that's really resonating with them, um, seen through the filter of an NFT or through the lens of, of the blockchain?
1: I think people really love art and especially in tech, people always wanted to understand it and be part of it. But there were really no access to it other than going to a gallery, which is a pretty intimidating feeling if you're not in that world. So I think just the abundance of art coming into the place where intersection of tech with NFTs of people who are passionate and also have um, the funding to do so being crypto investors and generating um, liquidity pretty frequently. I think it's the perfect recipe for culture to boom, uh, similar to how everyone references the Renaissance, you know, and all that good stuff. So I think, you know, people want to buy art, and people want to know what photography is and how to access it and, and support it. And I think, you know, everyone in this room will have a say on why that's important and why what we're building is is the future. And you know, twenty twenty two, I believe, will be the year of photo as well as music for NFTs. Um, and I think people why, do you, just wanna, why do you say that? I I just feel it. Like there's so many organizations. In photography working and to realize the value of photography where we were all coming from social media and communicating through photographs I think instinctually and intuitively we all you know speak the same vernacular of photography and I think it's people are, will realize the value of why images are important and digital ownership in regards to how we we use web 2 as you were saying earlier it's a disposable Scrolling culture it doesn't you know it doesn't commemorate your art in a way that artists create this work for so when we step into Web three you could actually put value in the work you create in the world that people can enjoy.
0: It's funny the that frustration that I was talking about that's what really piqued my interest around photography and and what NFTs could do for it you know that frustration that that the that Web two put upon photos and reduced it. I feel like cheapened it or made, you know, tricked a lot of people into assuming that if it's a photograph that it has lesser meaning or or value or lesser financial uh, value, because um, it's almost treated as like this free, you know, shared commodity. Uh, I think that is actually like, to your point, I think that is actually what's going to really help it to bounce off and to rebound in the years to come because uh, it was always kind of looked at as a dismissed thing. And once um, people put their web three glasses on, uh, I think that uh, all of a sudden they will realize that they were sitting on gold the entire time because how many times like over the last 10 years have I been looking at photographers work on and um, on Instagram people who aren't even classified or considered themselves as photographers where I was just like, that is gorgeous. Like I have a friend, uh, Lisa Lang, um, who might be in the room, but Lisa, uh, has always been shooting these sunset photographs and she's just kind of, she kind of does it as a hobby. And I'm like, these are beautiful. and, And I would buy these. Um, and, but I think everyone just assumed, well, it's on Instagram and it's free, but because we thought that for so long, um, I think you're going to see them being maybe the most valuable NFTs in the long run, because we went 10 years without buying any of it. And now we're like, oh, wait, we should have kept that. Uh, I don't know if you agree with any of that. Did you feel frustrated uh, in the last 10 years with the way that social media was treating photography?
1: You know, I didn't even know any better. So until realizing that the potentials of Web3, I realized what the problem was with Web2. But when you're living it, and that's 100%. your life, and that's your job, you can't really see outside of it unless there's some other things you get a lens you could see
0: it from. Hundred um, percent. I wanted to uh, bring up some other friends of ours. This is a very uh, packed show. I, I, you know, Justin. It was initially that we, I was going to have this shared conversation with Justin, and then I realized. We have so many friends, especially in the Adam Bomb Squad community, who are big, big photographers uh, and are leading in their own right. And it's pretty amazing. It just happened to be that everyone's styles in this room today, the guests that we're going to be inviting up on stage, uh, they have all different viewpoints, you know, pun intended, as photographers. Some are landscape photographers. Some some shoot portraits and people. Some are known for specific projects already. And And, and a few of these photographers are... Are, are starting to come into their own and being known in the space. Um, I, I wanted to next speak to, and Justin, please stay in the room if you'd like. Uh, John Knopf is here and Michelle Bojone. Michelle is, is phoning in right now from <laughs> South Africa, from Cape Town. I'm so grateful it's really late for her. Uh, John and I have been hanging out and been chatting a lot lately. So I'm really grateful that he's in here. Uh, and John's uh, bomb is actually the, the icon for today's conversation. John and Michelle, how are you both doing today?
2: Hey, I'm doing well. How are you guys? Hey, John.
3: GM, GM, everybody. All right. I, I I'm gonna ask
0: probably some of the same questions for you. Did you did either of you feel a frustration as re, in regarding your work and as photographers and how Web two went over the last ten years or so and how it was treating your work?
2: Oh, yeah, I mean, 100%. I think a lot of us can resonate so much to what you and Justin have just said, you know, for, for so many years, we were so vastly undervalued. And I think, you know, photography as a medium was vastly undervalued. If you look at, you know, what work sells for what prices in the traditional world, photography has always fallen quite secondary or even tertiary in that bracket. And, If you think about what we do, you know, photographers, we're capturing moments of history that can never, ever be recreated. And that doesn't matter if we're shooting landscape or if we are shooting streets or portraits like we're literally capturing history, we're capturing a moment of connection. And we're better to, to memorialize that than on the blockchain where, you know, there's actual provenance. Um, the artists are actually getting paid for for their incredibly hard work. And I think it's just, you know, Justin said it so well when he said, you know, when we were stuck in the sort of Web2 community and the Web2 mindset, we weren't even aware of of what we're missing out on. Um, And it's only now that we're in Web3 where we get to look back and, you know, hindsight is a beautiful thing and we can look at it and go, there was actually a lot that needed to be different. And now we're in a position where we can build and change that, not only for us, but you know, for future generations of artists and photographers. And it's extremely exciting to be able to be here.
0: What are your thoughts on that, John?
3: Um, so, I it was funny, I was just having this conversation um, with our buddy Keith Grossman, and um, he brought up a valid point, and I couldn't really argue with it. You know, he said that photography really hasn't been undervalued it's highly valued. If you look at like Instagram and, you know, just the way that people um, use photography, the problem is, is that we've never figured out a way to monetize it correctly. And I think, you know, I found that out 15 years ago when I got into photography and quit my job and just decided like, all right, I'm going to live out of my car with my dog and like travel the country and like take photos. And I'm going to make, like, make a living off of this. And I think I found out like the hard way immediately, how impossible that that was going to be um, from, You know, going to traditional galleries and being told that photography just doesn't sell and if it does, it's gonna sell for like five hundred dollars. And I'm like, but dude, I like been working five years on this photo. And they're like, Yeah, we don't care. Like, it's just a photo. And um, you know, and then opening galleries like later on in my life, um, and finding out like, you know, the stigma was just everybody would walk in and just be like, Why would I pay five grand for that? Like, I can take that with my iPhone. And It's funny because like you look at the value of like photography and like you look at the value of art and it's it's always I don't know if it's like, you know, been undervalued as much as just like we haven't figured out the right way to monetize it. And it was it was actually Sam friends with you who uh, said it best to me the other day we were talking. He's like, dude, it doesn't matter what you put into like, you know, how many years you put into this photograph or like if it's a masterpiece. He's like, if I make a doodle and I give that to you, he's like, that is a masterpiece. He's like, because I put my career into that and my career has been able to. Um, you know, get me to this point to where I'm able to make this doodle in like 10, 20 seconds. And when I thought about that, I was like, you know, that really that really hits in a different way because I, I think about photography and I'm like, I take 15 years to take this photo, I take 10 years, like I put everything into this. And then there's this other side where it's not necessarily, you know, what what you put into it as much as just your career and your time and your value that you've put into over um, you know, over your entire time of creating this craft. And I think there's a lot to be said to that from the Web 2 model all the way to the Web 3 and bridging over um, the gap of, you know, this new stigma of whether or not, you know, photography can be an NFT. I mean, when I came in in January, there was nothing. There was just very little photography on the blockchain, especially with landscapes. And I remember being told, like, I could sell my work for 0.1 ETH if I was lucky. And I minted my first piece up for 6 ETH and just kind of kept going up from up from there. And I think it is just it comes down to how we value ourselves and then it will translate over to our collectors. And Web3 is, I think, the perfect transition to how we can translate it to our collectors. Sorry for the long winded answer, Bobby. <laughs> Don't
0: be sorry at all. I think we all really appreciated and loved all that. I, I It's a really good point to impress upon the audience and to, to just the buying public or the consumers is that, when you're supporting artists, really what you're doing, I mean, yes, you're, you're buying the art if that speaks to you, but you're really, you're really buying their time, these, a chunk of these people's lives. You're buying their opinions, right? You're supporting their worldview um, and how they see. And if you look through Michelle's photography and just the amount of work and the consideration, the care it takes to not only to stand in the, in the position she's in to capture these moments, the, the, the lengths that she's going, the, the time that and the effort that she is investing into processing the, photogra- the photography, they're so rich and they're so emotional. And same with John. Uh, I'm assuming you're just traveling all the time and you're exposed to the elements. And, um, you know, it's it's backbreaking this work. It's not like you're just sitting in a studio in the same place, which has its own pains and own physicality that comes with it for a lot of the photographers that are on stage today, uh, you're on the move, you're going and you're working with people. You're really just sharing these moments with humans. Um, it's grueling and it's really, really, it's it's really soulful work. Um, Michelle, can you take us a little bit just of, of what your process is like and, and how you find these moments in, in the world around you?
2: Of course. I mean, so I've been... Since I can remember, I've basically had a camera in my hand. My dad gave me my first film camera when I was like 12 or 13. Um, and I've always just been documenting people and things and my family, and it's always been a second nature to me, but it's never something that I really opted for as a career because it, it, it was just something that I did, right? Um, and then a couple of years ago, I studied um, graphic design and fine art, so I, I worked down those avenues. And I just felt like I was lacking something. I was lacking connection. I was lacking a means to express my my own anxieties and emotions and feelings. So I picked up the camera again and I started shooting streets. And, you know, for the first time in my life, I found an outlet where I was able to process my emotions when I see them in others. Um, And that's what I do when I walk around. um, My shooting style changes depending on my mood that I'm in. So I'll either You know shoot with a longer focal length and be a bit further away and shoot people through windows for instance um allowing me a bit of a distance away from my subjects and other days i'm feeling you know more confrontational and i'll be more upfront and i'll be closer and i don't mind if i get seen but i'm always trying to identify you know the small little narratives that tell a bit of a story um and I think a lot of photographers, you know, we we don't have to tell a story from the beginning to end. If I how I measure my own success is if someone comes to me and they say, I really connected with that or that really made me feel something irrelevant of anything else. Like that means I've I've done my job. You know, I've, I've made someone feel something. And at the end of the day, that's all that matters to me. Um, so, yeah, that's that's I guess I hope that answers a bit of your question around my process.
0: Oh, a hundred percent. John, what about you and your process?
3: Yeah. Um, with landscape, like with what I've done over like the years with my landscape photography, it's been interesting because at first, like, it was kind of like, um, like living out of like my car and like traveling all over the country and like being broke. And then I started like selling stuff and it it was, it kind of like slowed down and it was more of like, I was focused on like opening the business side of it and galleries. And it really like, I think I got caught up in more of the business focus of, of my art. And I really had to, I think at one point, like recollect myself and figure out like, what am I doing here? Like, am I making art for collectors? Am I making art for me? Like, what is, what is the purpose of what I'm doing? And I really had to like reevaluate many times of like uh, the purpose of my process, the purpose of my photography. And it was funny. I was, it was like, I think it was like 10 years ago. I was listening to a David Cho podcast and the dude said something that hit me so hard. He was like, comfort is the killer of creativity. And I was like, dude, yes. I was like, that is that is exactly where I need to be. And so I started putting myself in more extreme situations and uh, like putting myself out of my element. And I don't know, I found like through the process of my photography, it was like I've always said, like, it's like the storms start to hit or those sandstorms that you never expect or the asshole bear that comes out of nowhere with his cubs and, you know, ruins the everything for you. It's like these are the these are the moments that you kind of have to like dance in the rain and take it because I've. I've learned from that that you have to embrace the storm because you have no choice. You can't fight it. You can't fight the rain. You can't fight the bears. So it's like through photography, I've not only learned like this patience through the process, but it's like, I've learned that I can't fight the storm. So I have to really just enjoy the moments for what they are. And that I think that has translated so much over into NFTs because we talk about FOMO and these, and these balance. And I think photography has helped me immensely through my balance because um, I don't necessarily get nearly as much FOMO, um, just because of the fact that it's like I've been through these moments where it's like I've missed the shot and embraced it just for me. And there's been like these times where it's just like um, I've suffered through so many moments to get that shot and then not get it. And um, I think that has really translated, at least for me, through my process into life and in everything. I'm not sure if that answered the question, but that's my... Yeah, it did. That's... John, <laughs> yeah. um,
0: to you and Michelle and, and also... You know, Justin had referenced this when I was speaking with him a little bit earlier. Um, He sees 2022 as a really big year for photography and NFTs. And I know you're coming off of Miami where there was this big photo meetup. I don't know how many of the photographers were actually there. Uh, And from what I was reading, this was the biggest gathering of NFT photographers, I think, to date. Can you tell us a little bit about what happened?
3: Yeah, um, there was uh, about 39 photographers that were displayed at this. But, uh, you know, it was trippy. We met on Clubhouse back in January and we became friends. It's funny how Clubhouse like keeps us all connected. And he said, dude, I've got this like crazy spot and I can't do a trippy voice. But he's like, bro, you got to like come out to this spot. And he's like, he's selling it me hard. He's like, dude, you, you got to like check this out. He's like, you know, let's do a couple of rooms. He's like, let's promote it. And he's like, and what I could do is like hook you up with some gallery space and you guys could get photography together. And at first I was like, no dude, I'm not doing that. Like I've done those days and I don't want to do gallery stuff anymore. And like a week went by and I was like, dude, why am I here? Like, you know, like I gotta do this. Like I gotta promote a bunch of photographers. And I thought about it and I was like, this is a chance for me to submit all the people that I think really have been here since the beginning that have worked their asses off, that, um, it, you know, have earned a place in, in, to be shown. And, to, and some people, I would say like 80% of these people have never even sold an image, which made this even cooler. So it was like, this was a moment to really show a lot of dope photographers, some of the best in the space, some of the people who haven't sold anything. And uh, when Trippy came to me, he was like, yeah, dude, let's put this together. I was like, yeah, man, I think this could be a real cool opportunity. So I got I got everything together. We, we displayed it uh, in this huge warehouse. It was fucking epic. But I think, like, dude, the coolest part about that whole moment, like, I've done, you know, gallery spaces, I've done my own stuff, and I've never done a collective gallery or really even helped other photographers because, dude, it used to be so competitive. And then we come in this Web3 world where everybody loves each other. And I invited this dude, Michael Yamashita, and he's um, he's a National Geographic photographer. And he's like, he's not just a legend, bro. He is the Nacho photographer. Like there's nobody in the world that I could think of that I idolize more than this dude's landscape photographies. He is the essence of landscapes. And so I invited him out there and he showed up. And him and I both like had tears in our eyes for just how fucking cool this moment was because we've both come from that old school photography background where everybody just was out for each other. And him and I just sat there and watched these photographers take pictures in front of their images. And we're just so stoked and he's like, dude, like you know what you did here? And I'm like, bro, we did this together. Like This is such an incredible fucking moment for all of us. And I'm like, I couldn't have done this without everybody. And I don't know, man, it's moments like these that I'm like photography in 2022, it's it's going to be crazy it's 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 the original storyteller on the blockchain that's that's in a digital medium and i can't think of anything that um has been in my opinion so not been able to monetize for so many years and i think now is our time and i think people are finally starting to realize that the value of photography is going to be insane. I mean, I just like going off on a tangent, but like, think of like pictures, like, you know, Martin Luther King giving his first speech. Like these pictures are epic history that are, that are priceless, worth more than anything. And when these start to show up on the blockchain and these are the original fucking provenance, that's going to change the game. And I can't wait to see what next year brings for us.
0: Michelle, do you feel the same?
2: Oh, totally. I mean, I think to add to that, um, you know, as photographers, we also have this amazing opportunity now where, you know, we get to wear so many different hands and we're pushing ourselves out of our comfort zones. And that for me personally has been incredible, you know, getting involved with a raw doll, getting involved with abscura, like all of a sudden creatives are partnering with their collectors in such a meaningful way, where we're for the first time able to build our own platforms where we can uplift each other and focus on those photographers that would, you know, usually probably not get into a gallery's front door. I mean, I remember and I've exhibited in, in many galleries and, you know, to be told, you know, faces of strangers don't sell and and that was kind of it. And for the first time, I said to myself, you know, why we're building this new world and we're we're building it to suit us. We don't have to put walls and parameters in place here and to be able to be involved with different organizations um, from like a very foundational building level has been phenomenal because, you know, we we finally have a say. We finally have a means to talk to the people that are acquiring our work. And just from that interaction, we're learning so much. Um, and it's, it's, it's been absolutely incredible.
0: If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Bomb Talk. I'm your host, Bobby Hundreds. Uh, this is a weekly show that we do on the topic of all things NFT. Today's episode is dedicated to photography, which is the next revolution. Well, it's already been, but it's really going to take off, I, I believe, in the next year. Uh, I wanted to stop real quick and remind everyone that there's a POAP associated with every show, uh, Sandy, if you want to chime in, if you're there on the Adam bomb squad side and just explain to people how the POAP works. It's essentially a free NFT.
4: Yeah, totally. It's a free NFT for anyone who doesn't have one. We could go ahead and give you your very first one. Um, it is pinned on the chat. So if you just want to swipe a couple of tweets down across all the amazing photography that we just pinned um, and there will be a POAP on there. With the form attached, go ahead and fill that off. On Uh, the redemption code is Shutter in all caps. Um, So type in Shutter. We'll go ahead and distribute your free NFT um, by the end of the week. So please fill this out. Um, Yeah, you'll you'll show your proof of attendance that you were here.
0: Yes, you were here. That you were in the room alongside our next guests. We just spoke with Justin Arversano from Twin Flames, John Knopf, Michelle Viljoen. Uh, Please follow them all. We've tagged them across all our socials, and they are more than welcome to continue speaking up and chiming in. We're moving on also to Drift and Lindsay Burns, two more photographers who are joining us up on stage. Lindsay is just an old friend. She shoots beautiful photography, beautiful portraits. Um, And Drift is... (laughs) I don't even know how to explain Drift's photography, but it is... Um, Drift, why don't you explain what it is exactly you do and how you shoot it because it is just mind-blowing.
5: Good evening everybody. Um, thanks for hosting this Bobby. Um, so my photography falls into uh, what's called urban exploring which is essentially a illegal subgenre of photography where uh, people go and uh, explore, parts of the world that people don't see it could be abandoned places it could be tunnels it could be rooftops bridges I mean just parts of cities in, in the world that are typically off limits to the rest of the world um my process I guess is this it differs based off of what I'm going to shoot um there's a lot of times where I'll look at a bridge or I'll look at a roof and I'll I'll just look at it architecturally and wonder what the city would look like from there. I wonder, you know, how I, I just want to see it. I just want to know. I mean, it's just general curiosity. I think that goes into a lot of it. Um, and the next step of that process is figuring out the how, <laughs> which is a lot of the, the fun part uh, with it to where I'm always thinking to myself, how can I, how can I get here? Is there going to be social engineering involved? There's a lot of, there's a lot of different ways that um, I might go about getting to a place. I might dress up as a worker. I might, you know, uh, uh, just, you know, take advantage of a special holiday. You know, there's a lot of different things. People don't think it goes this in depth, but it does. I wish I could just walk into the front uh, lobby of a building and, you know, ask them to see the roof, but it doesn't work that way. Um, And it never will. So, um,
3: yeah. (laughs) Drift, you you sound like a private investigator out of the movies, like out of the comedy. (laughs) (laughs) John
0: John was saying earlier that um, I I have a different way of looking at the greatest creativity comes from struggle, right? And he said, you really need to leave your comfort zone and expose yourself to these extreme situations. Like your situation seemed the most extreme. If if you're looking on your phone, uh, there's an example of Drift's photography at the top where he's standing, he's teetering on the edge of a building. Uh, I, I know you replied to someone earlier who asked this, but like, does that ever just freak you out? Because I can't even look at, I'm looking at this minuscule thumbnail of this image and I'm still getting clammy hands.
5: Um, I should have brought a towel for you to the space, but um, most of the time, I mean, for me, it doesn't like everyone's got their element, right. You know? And so for me, when I'm exploring, I'm just in my element. Like I'm, ultra calm when I'm exploring. It just is like the whole world melts away. But I think it's because you're fully immersed in your environment. Like when you're standing there on the ledge of a building and you're looking at you're looking down Park Ave, like that picture, you're looking at all of New York City. It's uh six thirty, seven in the morning, nobody knows you're there. You're seven, eight hundred feet above the city. I mean you're just fully immersed in life itself. And it's a very, very, very beautiful moment. Um but it doesn't Deter me like it doesn't get me out of focus. I just feel, I feel very calm. I feel like I'm right where I'm supposed to be, and like the first time I ever felt that, like the first time I went and explored, that's how I knew I was gonna do it for the rest of my life because I felt like I was right where I was
6: supposed to be. Lindsay,
0: how are you doing? Hi, I'm good.
6: Hi. It's I'm good, good to have a- you. <clears throat> I'm hyperventilating. I'm gonna pass out because um, <laughs> I'm imagining that. myself. Uh, on top of a building next to drift and also i just look down and i just see a sea of people in the space from the top of the building so i'm, I'm it doesn't uh,
7: look
0: like there's a lot of space up there for you to hang out next to drift to be honest <laughs> it's r- room for one Um Lindsay, you've been a photographer forever uh and I, I just wanted to hear your thoughts on on how nft spoke to you and and what 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 this technology and these capabilities afforded you in in this new world of of what photography can be?
6: Sure, thanks. Um, well, you know, kind of to echo what everybody's been saying in the room, and and you especially, you know, we met um, a while ago, a few years ago, ten years ago, and um, and the reason why I get to remember that moment is because you took a photo, and um, that's kind of been what. You know that's kind of been what photography's been for me. That's um, why I started taking photos. I was so afraid that I was going to forget things, and um, I, I needed those memories. And I needed I needed to hold on to them that way. And so, as far as NFTs, you know, when I turned uh, photography into a career, which was, you know, I don't know, maybe maybe a, a few years before we met, uh, I. I turned it into a career, right? It became a job and it kind of lost. That's not true. I love my job. I don't want to, I don't want to make it seem like I don't love my job. I love that. I get to take photos for my job, but it's, it's different. There's just a different, there's something different about being commissioned. There's something different about um, it being work than, um, than this space. And so when I heard about NFTs, um, I also thought that there was no way that I could ever sell one. There would be no way that anybody would want my point of view. That was just my point of view. Um, and so, you know, I was, I was, uh, I tiptoed, I tiptoed in John, um, John saw me tiptoe in, um, And then, you know, then my the first time I put something up, I did it so wildly in a clubhouse room and was just like, it's going up. And then the same thing happened when I put um, this collection. I I think you guys just shared it at the top. I think I put that up at four in the morning. I was just so scared to do it. And um, and then something happened. They sold. And then something changed in me because um, I started to see them flip and I come from the pl- I come from the place and time uh, and experience of you buy art to hold it and not to not to flip it, not to, um, you know, earn money off of it immediately, right? Like why would you get that? And then in that moment, I saw it, I felt it and I understood and I was like, this is fucking awesome this is the best feeling to see somebody believe in me and, 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 and then make money off it. I was like, hell yeah, I'm into it. <laughs> um.
7: Yeah, that, that initial
0: hit is what, yeah. gets so, what radicalizes so many of us as collectors, as artists, um drift john michelle justin i don't, do you all remember that moment that you I, I i'm sure you all were in a space at one point where you're like no one's gonna buy this why would anyone pay for this jpeg and then they collect it and you see it just start moving in the marketplace i don't know if anyone else has a story like that to share but i think that can be illuminating
2: lindsay when you said that i was like oh damn i think we're all sitting here nodding because like there is nothing more stressful than putting your work out there at first. Like actually not even at first, every single time we mint something like that, that stress doesn't really go away. And then, you know, when, when someone believes in your work and they kick off an auction or they buy a piece, like it's a feeling that really can't be measured because, you know, when people buy photography, they buy it because they connect with a piece. I think that's, that's a really strong thing for us to distinguish. You know, these aren't collectibles. They're not, they're not generally seen as something to flip to make money. So when someone buys a, a photograph, it's it's because they're connected with it. And to have that level of support, knowing that someone is buying into what you're putting down and buying into you, like, oh, man, nothing, nothing in the world tops that feeling.
3: Lindsay, do you remember when I put up, like, a higher ETH piece and I was, like, you know, getting all this shit for it?
6: Oh, yeah. I remember every moment of yours, John. I Please every, share every moment.
3: Please share. <laughs> All I remember is I, I put up my first eat for or my first piece for like five or six days, and everyone was like, "What? You think you're famous? You think that like you should be able to do that?" And I was like, "It has nothing to do with that." I was like, "I really worked hard on this photo, and I just can't sell it for cheap." And I remembered like just getting so much shit. So then I kept putting up more work and like putting them at like ten and then like twenty three, eth and like these high prices. And I was like, dude, they're one of ones. Like, I'm not gonna just let them go for cheap. I worked my asses off. Like, there's just no way I'm gonna do that. And. I remember like just getting so much shit but then like it was months before anything sold like months like I was promoting other artists I was working on rooms and I was just like this is fun like I'm just chilling with my friends like I'm having a good time like whatever happens happens and then like I remember the first email notification I got when it sold and like I legit like I I dropped to my knees and like just started crying I was like this is such like I hate to say it was validating but it felt validating it was like everything that I had been preaching like look we can hold our prices like I promise you guys like one day images are going to sell for like five or 10 ETH like it's just going to happen and then when that shit happened in a 23 piece sold I was like oh my god like we did it like and then Farouk calls me and he's like bro we're hosting you. He's like, you've never shielded your art. You never talk about your art. He's like, I've never done a room. Like I'm hosting you tonight. Like, this is this is epic, dude. He's like, it's crazy. He's like, you've never marketed. You've never DM to anybody. He's like, I've known you for months and I didn't even know you had shit on foundation, bro. He's like, this is insane. And it's like when that happened, I was like everything like felt real. It was like everything that I've been saying, like everything that I've been trying, being an introvert, not being able to really like be a salesman of my art, just being able to push everyone's else art and putting my work at higher prices because I valued it, everything validated. And it's just like that moment for me and like even like Lindsay and like all of us, like we were all in these rooms together and it was like, dude, it was epic. Like, I mean, even Lindsay, like we were just crying. It was such a crazy moment for all of us.
0: (laughs) On the other side of this, are there any photographers on stage who've felt any sense of crippling imposter syndrome that's been associated with your work? Because for, I think all of you have pieces out there that command some pretty staggering prices. And obviously, Justin, Drift, your work goes for a lot of money. Have there come moments in, in this year where you're like, why are people spending this much on these JPEGs? Like, this is this is beyond me at this point.
6: I feel like an imposter every moment of my life. Next person. Same. Same. I'm
5: second with
0: Lindsay. (laughs) Adrift, I want to hear from you.
5: I think you never fully get over the imposter syndrome, to be honest with you. Like, even if you start making sales, sales that blow your mind, right? You might start thinking, um, like, you might go without a sale, and you might start thinking your work isn't as good or, you know, like, can I top this or, uh, you know, all these different things. So I think that, um, like, while it might not be a, like an like a ever-present thing, I think it definitely comes in waves to where you're you're thinking, you know, um, maybe my work isn't this good enough for anymore. People are people going to be interested in the future or, like... There's, there's always going to be that, right? But I think you have to look back to look forward sometimes and that you kind of have to look at like, okay, this is what's been built in the past and I didn't change anything. I just focused on my craft. I just focused on who I am and just being authentic and being real with my story and my work and my art. And then it helps you look towards the future and you know that you don't really switch up the recipe You just keep striving to be the best version of yourself you can be. And, you know, like the sales and stuff, they'll come when they come, you know. But I think everybody goes through waves of imposter syndrome at times, without a doubt.
0: I've had some of my work sell. And because it sold, I had imposter syndrome of why would anyone support or buy this or spend this much ETH? And then when work doesn't sell, which it has often done this year... I'm also like, why isn't anyone buying it? Am I an imposter and a fraud? It sucks. It sucks having really poor self-esteem in this space. Um, <laughs> I don't know if any of you feel that. I wanted to bring up,
2: <laughs> Michelle,
0: <laughs> help me out. What do you think?
2: And, yeah, yeah, I just wanted to say, you know, like for everyone else listening, It's photography is something that like, sometimes it takes you telling your story over and over and over again for someone to connect with your pieces. Um, And if they're not moving, it's not because they're not good. It's not because they're not incredibly beautiful. It is, it might just take a bit longer for, for the right person to hear your story, look at that piece again, and all of a sudden it resonates. So like, this is just a quick little shout out to say like, don't stop, just carry on doing it. You know, we all find ourselves in those shoes um where we just have to continue doing us. Like that's the most important thing. Don't don't change what you shoot. Um just keep doing you and keep telling your story because we need to stay true to ourselves.
0: We need to hear from all of you. We need we need to see your opinions out there and your insight. Uh it's that's such a beautiful, remarkable point of photography is that you're really standing in someone's lens. You're you're really looking through their eyes in that moment. You're standing in their shoes. And um you know this is very snowflakey and romantic but uh, that is inimitable inimitable <laughs> we can't duplicate this irreplicable uh we need that conversation we need your point of view out there i wanted to bring up um jn silva and dave krugman next these are The homies, um, I feel everyone in the room already knows them. And if not, they're very aware of their work. They're very successful uh, photographers in the NFT space and have been carrying the torch all year long. Uh, I wanted to talk about something, especially for the photographers who are listening in and and trying to learn a little bit more about how NFTs can help them. For Dave and Jan, uh, how do you market your work or how do you get your work seen out there? And how do you, I guess, train or teach your... Your, your patrons to understand how to perceive your work through, through, through NFTs.
8: Uh, hey, everyone. Thanks for having me. This has been really, really cool. Uh, I don't know if Dave is up here. I don't know if I'm the best person to talk about marketing my stuff because I am horrible at marketing my own work. I feel like I'm really amazing at marketing other people's work, and because I'm like a cheerleader for so many others, eventually people are like, "Who is this guy cheering everyone on?" and then they'll just eventually end up looking at my stuff. Um, but I think for me, it's just being active and and curating and creating communities and and being a part of a lot of it. Uh, I'm super active just in you know Telegrams and Discords and Twitter, and I just try to be you know kind to everyone I come across, and you know connect with them uh, you know find common points of, of connection and I think through that I and I'm always just sharing what I'm doing right I'm kind of a documentary photographer uh, everyone that knows me you know just I always have a camera on me whether I'm shooting landscapes or street stuff or even if we're just hanging out at events like I'm always just shooting uh, and I like what Lindsay said uh, you know I have really bad memory so I feel like if I have my camera on me You know, I can capture these moments and then just look back at them. And, you know, years from now, I'm like, oh, yeah, like I met this person at this event. I usually try to like when I first meet people, I always try to take their portrait. Uh, And that's one of the coolest things to me is like years later, I'm like, oh, yeah, there's the day, you know, that I, I met John or that I met Dave and have like, you know, these portraits of all these people who are like immensely valuable and like, you know, friends for life. And I have a portrait of the day that I met them. And it's always really cool to me. Uh, I kind of went around
0: that, but yeah, I'm not great at marketing miles <laughs> What about you, Dave? How's it going?
9: It's going really well. Thank you so much for having me. I uh, love this learning so much from my, my esteemed peers. So many um, opinions that I agree with and, and things that are um, stimulating a lot of thought about everything that's happening right now.
0: I wanted to... Uh kind of piggyback off something Jan Silva was saying and Lindsay also mentioned, and it, maybe it's existential and aside the point a little bit, but is there something with photographers where we're whimsical and we're attached to, we're sentimental creatures in that we want to hold on to a lot of these memories. I mean, as early as I can remember, I've been shooting photos as well. um, Sixth grade, seventh grade, following around my friends skateboarding with a camera. and, And I just, and I just could not let go of these memories. Um, and I just have hard drives and hard drives and files of, of print photos as well that I'll never let go. It'll be the first thing that you save in a fire, right, is, is our photography. What, what do you think, Dave, it is about photographers that uh, makes us like this? Um, it's, that's a really great question. And I definitely
9: feel the same. I, I, I really look at photography as kind of an act of collection. And I think we're, from our evolutionary history, we're really primed to kind of collect things that we consider valuable. You know, it's how we survived as we kind of evolved through um, different stages of of the human story. So like, I feel like as I'm walking around New York City, like I'm actually kind of collecting these visual tokens, literally, (laughs) uh, and then bringing them back and sitting with them. And it's also just so exciting that it's really the only way, a photograph is really the only way where you can actually like, halt time. Um, Even a you know, even a a film or um an animation, like it's it it's over a certain window, but a photograph is truly just like this one almost like a measurable sliver. Like it's it's such a small uh frozen moment. That's really appealing um to kind of bend bend physics like that and play and play with light and and everything. So um I think it my my love for photography and I assume some others love for photography is Kind of we get to act on those instincts to, to collect and remember and connect with each other.
0: Dave, I uh, wanted to ask you the same question I asked Jay and Silva earlier, as far as marketing your work and marketing your brand as a photographer. As Dave Krugman, you've done such a good job of it this year. <laughs> you were probably you. the first NFT photographer that I was aware of and definitely one that I started building a relationship with. Um, how have you been doing that? You've you've just done such a great job. Um,
9: that's that's a really great question as well. And and uh, you know, I I also want to nod to JN Silva for like opening this world to me. I said this, I call him the opener of portals always. But uh, over a year ago, he was the one who actually like made me take this stuff seriously, and, and I'm I'm forever grateful for that. Um, in terms of marketing, it's it's all about communities, interconnected communities, right? So like. What space is your work existing in? And, you know, here on Twitter, we have this really encouraging ecosystem of interested artists, all in these giant kind of feedback loops of support and encouragement. And so if that's the if that's the arena in which we have to play, which is honestly a beautiful arena to play in, um, then the best way to get your work out there is to support that very community. Like if you, I, I tweeted this a while ago, something along these lines, but um, basically... If you, if you add value before you ask for value, you, you never end up having to ask, right? So my goal in the space is really twofold, which is um, what, what I did at first was I spent literally every single day building uh, a project called All Ships, which is like all ships rise with the tide. It, it's kind of like a, speaks to the abundance of, of Web3 uh, and how there's space for everyone. And so every day I would just reach out to an artist and have an, an excuse and a platform to, to kind of elevate them in my own little way. Um, and I've been doing that for two year, almost two years now. And so when I ended up dropping, uh, my, my projects like drive and my super rare stuff and, and my other, uh, mints, like that same community of people that I had been, you know, doing my best to support, I never like really had to ask for much. They all kind of rallied behind me and were like, you know, we believe in, in the value that you're bringing to this ecosystem. And, um, the other thing that I'll add to kind of like tie a bow on it is like, I wish somebody told me this earlier in social, um, but the best way to use social media is to be unequivocally yourself. Like the, the more you can just be your authentic self online, the less you have to kind of have this cognitive dissonance of, of who, who you're pretending to be and, who, and who you, how you really feel. And the, the best people are like the best way to grow on social media is to help and encourage others and to make sure that the, you know, the persona that you're projecting is like, you know, (laughs) one-to-one exactly uh, who you want to be and and what you want to put out in the world. And lastly, sorry for this long answer, but, um, you know, every interaction on these these apps is a link back to your core um, identity. And so the more you participate in these systems, like Web3 is like, you know, with airdrops and everything like that, it's an interesting monetization of participation. But the more you engage and help and, and participate in conversations, like, Statistically, you'll just grow and grow and grow and grow. Um, so that's that's my advice on marketing, at
8: least.
0: Thanks, Dave. That's actually all super constructive and beneficial for everyone. Um, really, really remarkable. Great points. I, I wanted to, um, as we start closing down the room, and I apologize, everyone. Just, this show is only meant to be an hour on purpose. And today, I just didn't know where to draw the line because all the guests are Equally amazing. And so we, we only got little glimpses. Um, but there's a couple of technical questions that I wanted to ask everyone in the room when it came to photography and NFTs, and especially um, on the photography side. Something, one thing I think of all the time is Are any of you ever frustrated by the fact that a lot of NFTs are uh, really consumed and considered more on the phone and on computers? And it, it compromises the scale of a lot of the, the richer photographs that you shoot. Uh, does that bother or upset anyone? Do you do you see a potential solution for any of that, especially for just, you know, looking uh, Dave, yeah, please jump in. Yeah, the, the timing
9: on this question is amazing because a lot of us were just at... Um art basil and it was like for many of us it was like this kind of revelation that you know i've been looking at all these incredible artists work on on a small phone or even a computer screen but then to walk into these um installations like the super rare monolith like it was just so it reminded me how important it is um, to actually you know get this stuff out into the world and uh i'm actually like really thinking about how to make sure that happens more um, for my latest uh, Block Party Mint, it comes with like a 30 by 40, you know, museum quality print that we had displayed next to the NFT at, at uh, the show. So I, I love the idea. I really think that phones are like this kind of primitive layer that we're going to quickly forget about the second we have good augmented reality. And, you know, I think the world we're building for is a much more expansive and vast world, like an overlay over reality. And we're going to look at phones like newspapers in a few years. So I'm just I'm excited to collect and build for that world that is right around the corner.
0: I don't know if anyone else has anything to add to that point. I I, I agree with you. I think about it all the time. Just with digital streaming content in general, anything visual. I still love going to the movie theater. You know, I think there's something to be said for looking at and being, I guess, subject to an image or a film or a piece of art that is larger than life, that's larger than you, that's larger than life, that is commanding, that's overwhelming. We're going to be able to accomplish a lot of this stuff in metaverse, uh, but eventually, in the, but in the immediate time being, I I, I feel like there, there's some real value that we're missing there uh, by relegating, constricting a lot of this imagery just to, to phones and computers. Lindsay, go. <laughs>
6: Um, you know, I, I think that, yeah, I agree with what you're saying. And I also, I also really, I love limitations and, and I love the idea that something can look really, really great on a phone or really, really tiny and, um, and, and, you know, in a movie theater or on a billboard or in a gallery, like whatever. I think that, um, also images that can look good, big and small. That's, that's really cool. So I, 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 like, I like the limitations. Um, I, I'm finally really used to the phone. So maybe now it is time to throw it away. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, okay, one more technical question. I'm going to throw at the photographers. And um, that has to do with people's likenesses. Uh, with photography, um, especially portraits, um, we're capturing other people in them. How does that work as far as rights go?
2: Well, that's always an interesting one. I'm happy to take that. Um, Please do. I think, you know, as, as, as a street photographer, I think it's the most important to know the rights where you shoot. Um, like Japan, for instance, you've got to be super careful. Um, but for the most part, you know, if you're in a public space, it's, it's deemed uh, that you, you sort of relinquish your right to privacy. Um, and as a street photographer, I think it's important to always show respect to your subject. Like if your gut says, don't take the photo, then you probably shouldn't. Um, and just make sure that your intent is pure. I think that's, that's one of the most important things, you know, respect your subject. Um, and I always ask myself, you know, if this was a photo of me, would I be okay with it being out there? Um, and if my gut says yes, then I go with that. So that's kind of how I see it. And, um. Yeah, I just want to do a quick little shout out to Zanzibar Ventures because they kicked off a bit on one of my pieces, which is looping back to what Lindsay said about, like, when someone buys one of your work and you're still, like, a little child at Christmas, like, freaking out. I'm freaking out now. So. Yeah, Michelle, can you tell everyone what just happened? It's so crazy. So, the the team at Zanzibar Ventures decided to put a bit on one of my pieces during, Let's during go. The, the talk. So, Yeah. <laughs> I actually got a text. I got a text from the
9: team and they told me that and I was waiting for it to interject, but I'm glad I didn't spoil it for you.
5: <laughs> I'm so blown I away. Love it. It's amazing.
0: <laughs> this is magic. This is real time magic, everyone. Yeah. Um, shout my, out the
9: Gu- Oops, go ahead. Sorry.
0: No, please, Dave. Go ahead.
9: I was going to say, yeah, shout out to the, the Guppy NFT little collector group. They've been super supportive of like, not just me, but like, their support like flows through all of our networks in a really genuine way. And I just want to, just want to note that and, and congratulations, Michelle. Well,
0: well-deserved. Thanks, Dave. I, I brought Sean Bonner up here at the last second. Sean, how are you doing?
3: I'm doing
10: great. How are you?
0: I'm good. Thank you for joining at the last second. And I, I don't know if you had, um, any thoughts to to some of the conversation we had today regarding photography and NFTs?
10: I mean, I've, you know, I've been nodding, uh, nodding the whole time. Um, I think you, you pulled together, you know, a fantastic, a fantastic group of people who have lots of, of wonderful things to say. I'm not sure that I have, uh, you know, any, any terribly insightful things to add in to any of that. Um, but I think, uh, it's been it's been really wonderful this year. I, I think you know I, I've talked before that that photography is a very a very sort of lonely uh, you know passion <laughs> in a way. Um, you know we're, we're out on our own doing our things wandering around in the world. and I think it's been pretty exciting this year to meet um, you know a number of different people who connect with that and understand that and sort of see the see the beauty in kind of making making these things on your own and, and tying, tying these connections between the people and, and everything. So I've, I've been loving it and I, I'm really, it feels like there's a lot of things clicking right now. And I, I'm just, I'm so excited about, about where things are headed. Yeah, where do you see
0: this going in 2022? Um, can you touch on some of those things that are exciting you? You're seeing some of the, just the points connecting
10: yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, as John was saying earlier, we spent a lot of time this year talking about or earlier this year, you know, saying, is there even a place for, um, you know, still photography in this world, right, in, in this kind of digital thing. And I, I think a lot of regular artists were, were having those kinds of questions, too, of like they they make you know, kind of two D static art, and how does that how does that translate to to NFTs? Do they need to make it animated? Do they need to you know start doing all of these different things to it, or or is there a place for that? And I think that we were we were sort of hopeful, you know, hey, this is a cool place for for artists, maybe maybe we fit in here too, but also we didn't really know, you know, um, we wanted it to be, and so I think that uh, what's happened um, with again with these communities, with these collectors, um, with the platforms with, you know, every every piece of, you know, this entire Web3 thing starting to get built and come together, we realized, yeah, there's, there's absolutely a place for all of these different things. Um, and again, just from the aesthetic thing, but also from the utility thing, from the, you know, from the community membership thing, from the identity thing, all of these different pieces, um, which seemed like really cool ideas but we weren't really sure how to work with them are starting to connect right and having photography be a piece of that uh, I think is is terribly exciting because I'm a photographer but also I have a lot of photographer friends and and we're always talking about how you know our thing you know it's weird right like what is what is what is what we're doing appeal to other people you know like how is the story that we're trying to tell you know does that actually, translate through. Um, and I think that having this digital medium where we can tell these different pieces of it, we can, you and I can talk about a photo. I can write something about the photo. I can show off the photo, all of these different pieces and someone who's interested can go find all of those things and connect them together. I think, um, yeah, I I think it's just, it's really going to hit for photography. Um, I mean, I think it already is starting to, but I think, I think within the next year, um, we're going to see a lot more
0: as has become tradition with this show bomb talk, which I host every Monday right here on my Twitter. Uh, shiny. Oh, shiny decides to join us and leave us with some sage wisdom. He is the voice of NFTs. Uh, shiny. <laughs> thanks for joining us on stage. Are you, are you good to go here? I'm going to add you again. as, as a speaker, shiny, I just, I, I would love to know your position on all of this and, and, how you're seeing photography and nfts in the next year or so
7: i can't take credit for being the voice of nfts damn you bobby look at all these incredible people on stage um but i i am i'm one of those voices and i'm so lucky and thankful to be one of those voices i wanted to come up here i love this tradition by the way coming on to bomb talk there's nothing better than hearing from amazing people in the community doing incredible things hosted by your man bobby What's better than that? I don't, I don't even know. I really can't even think about anything Not else. much.
0: Really, not much. Here,
7: here's what I wanted to leave people with. If you're in the audience, if you're a photographer wanting to get into this space, if you're not a photographer, the people on this stage today are the coolest motherfuckers in the NFT space. Yes. I will tell you that without a doubt. Every single person up here is so goddamn awesome. I mean, the photography part of NFTs weighs down the other parts with its coolness. And every time I talk to one of these people, they fill me up with joy and love. And so I don't know how anyone can resist buying a work of art by a group of individuals that are so special and talented. And just for that reason, I I see up only in the future of NFT photography. Thank you.
2: Let's thanks, go. Shiny. Let's go.
0: We love Let's that.
2: shiny man. We, we love shine
0: shiny. We're all a little bit shinier now for that. Uh, um, thanks to everyone who is on stage. Don't forget the PO app. Sandy, do you want to chime in real quick? One last time. Remind everyone how to do the POAP thing.
4: <laughs> I'm still not over shiny coming in and spreading those gems, but yes, fill out the PO app. Uh Swipe a couple of tweets down from the pinned tweets and fill out the form. The code is Shutter. You cannot get the POAP unless you do. You fill out that code. So go ahead and include Shutter, and we'll send you your POAP by the end of the week.
0: Please follow everyone who is on stage. If you missed any of them, uh, they're they're tagged in the flyers on our socials. Mine, Adam Bomb Squad. Uh, and the hundreds. And um, if you missed any part of today's show, it'll be, it's all been recorded. It'll all be going up uh, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, we've recorded them all. all. All my bomb talks have been themed. Uh, if, if you realize that or not, uh, we've had episodes about art, about women in NFTs. We've had it about responsibility with Gary V chiming in just on collecting with Steve Aoki. Um, and so this one was dedicated to photography. It, I... I'm definitely doing another one again. I mean we have to do another right. I'm we have to do another episode on photography and NFTs. There's so many. Um I have two childhood friends who I just saw that are in the room. Um Chris and, and Chad. They're they're both in there. We'll, we'll get them to speak. Oh, Kath Smart. Kath, Kath is here. I asked Kath to join and she couldn't do it because she was gonna be on a flight. Let me see if we can let us see if we he can just
3: texted me and said she's on the flight. She said she'd try though.
0: Okay, so she's, oh man, I would love, okay, you know what? We're going to just have another episode where she joins. She's just listening right now. I don't know if she can speak, but also follow Kath Smart if you can. I try to get Will Nichols up here as well. We'll get him on the next one. Let's just do another photography episode. Thank you to everyone for listening. Uh, This was Adam Bomb Squad Presents Bomb Talk, and we will see you next week.